Ladies and gentlemen, all rise. Court is back in session. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Devil's Due. I am your host, Carl Duty. With me, as always, is the only man to ever beat Ozymandias in a game of tic-tac-toe, Mr. Drew Celestino. Well, yeah, yeah. See, he tried to pull that Gordian knot strategy on me, and yeah, I wasn't having just it. just didn't work, huh? No, not in tic-tac-toe. There you go. Yeah. How's it going, sir? Uh, it. It goes. It here, goes. Here we are back again after a, a week week off. Yeah. Um, so we let us busy. let us get to the the opening statements. How have your weeks been? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm trying to think where to begin. It's been kind of exciting, kind of not. But um, if we go back far enough to the last episode, we had some milestones. So we had uh, Cinco de Mayo. Which yes. we celebrated at your place on uh, Cuatro de Mayo. Yes, and uh, that consisted of um, tacos, uh, margarita for myself. No one else partook, but that's okay. And uh, there's a lot of people there to partake. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. the uh, I think the Cinco de Mayo party might go by the wayside. In the that's future. fair. It was it was once a heavily tended event. And now it's just kind of adulthood and kids and life yeah. uh, tend to put the damper on certain historical gathering so we'll see how that goes in the future yeah but um i had a good time anyway we watched machete kills which i had not seen no um it was uh as advertised it was awesome <laughs> i think i might prefer the first one well i mean the first but one, but the second one classic. definitely leans into the okay this is just over the top insanity yeah. so mm-hmm. we're just gonna roll with it which is fair and then obviously you could tell that was going to be the case when they show the trailer for the air quotes third one before the second yes. one and it's like okay the, what is happening the chate kills in space yes <laughs> exactly so that was something um i believe mel gibson uh, great villain i mean life imitates art art imitates life <laughs> <laughs> if you will um Let's see. Uh, on actual Cinco de Mayo, um, I had a I had a pretty pretty good time. Part, yeah. Partook maybe I, I Cinco de Mayo pretty hard. You might say you Cinco'd your de Mayo. I uh, I Cinco de Mayo'd. So um, it was a good time. Had a had a good time. Me and the old man. A bit more Pat and uh, yeah, tequila. Tequila is uh, might be my new vice, Carl. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Especially good stuff that goes down easy, dangerously easy. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, that week though, also on that Wednesday, we had um, uh, the Ring of Honor NJPW War of the World show at Riverworks, and you know, I love wrestling shows. They're always they're always a good time, no matter what. But uh, yeah, NJPW didn't really send the house. <laughs> it didn't send the the A card. No, it sent I mean, I don't want to call it the B or the, I don't want calling it the C-listers is is kind of demeaning, but I mean it's that's what they kind are. of what they yep. are. Um th- there were some borderline B-listers on there like Evil and Sonata came and they're great and they got a huge I mean, they probably had the biggest reaction of the night outside of Marty Skrull. And so, uh, and so PCO, basically so. NJPW sent the early and mid card talent. Uh, the they sent a mid card, yeah, yeah, uh, not the opening acts, but the mid card acts. I would say they sent, and not even like the upper mid card, kind of like just a solid mid card. Yeah. So, and then it's you know it's frustrating because keep in mind we are saying mid card, not mid guard. No. Um. 
it's frustrating because I have to watch Evil and Sonata wrestle these two guys from NJ or from ROH. Uh, these these guys in I forgot what they're they're in Lifeblood and like by look by they're they're perfectly cromulent wrestlers. They're very, they're yep. and I'm and I'm someone out there trying to like calling me a jerk and saying I'm slagging these guys. I'm not. They're they're great. They're good. They're they're good talent. But Evil and Sonata, each of them have had four and five star matches with Okada in the last like eighteen months. I've seen these guys work. Yep, they can work. So when I have to watch them like sell and like make it look like these other guys are putting in a good effort and like you know they're really struggling to take down these ROH guys, it doesn't ring home for me because yeah. these guys are a, no pun intended with my all elite wrestling shirt on because our NJPW is not all elite, but you know, Evil and Sonata are elite. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying it, and I'm not gonna watch them like sell for these other guys like come on man this should be yeah. i'm not advocating squash matches but it was way too competitive for what it was but I, I digress i still had a great time um and uh but but i gotta tell you ring of honor is not looking promising going forward so i mean you as you mentioned you're wearing an all-elite wrestling shirt yeah when, yeah when are, when are they gonna start doing stuff okay so Allegedly, like, television is going to be announced. Show? Yes, they're going to have a TV show, and mm-hmm. allegedly, it's going to be announced tomorrow. I don't know anything else besides that, and nothing, nothing is official. Of what, when, where? TNT. TNT live, and that's all we know. How funny would it be if they went to USA? They won't go to USA. I thought that's, that's I thought, where Vince lives. I thought USA was. Oh, they're just losing SmackDown. Correct. They're Raw not, will still Raw be Monday still night be. on USA. So uh, TNT, though, um, Turner Broadcasting, former home of WCW. Yep. Things, things are full circle. They, they will not be going head-to-head with WWE, so don't look well, for that. Well, that's, yeah, that's, probably not. They wise. have to establish themselves first before yeah. that even gets remotely a possibility. But anyway, um, still fun, but man, Ring of Honor is in trouble. If, if, if NJPW ever does, like, say, you know what? We're cutting ties. Oh, boy. Ring of Honor is long for they're the world. screwed. They are screwed because their guys are just no one cares about their guys, man. <laughs> yeah, their guys come out. The crowd kind of goes like, eh. Outside of like, outside of uh, Jay Lethal, who has been there a long time and he's a ring veteran. Everyone knows who Jay Lethal is. He's been yeah. around, so people pop for Jay Lethal. Flip Gordon because he used to be tied in with the Elite when before they left, yep. so they pop for Flip Gordon and Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull also part of the elite and as soon as his contract's up in a few months bye bye roh he's yeah. going to all elite and you know once those guys are gone so question yes um you've got wwe yes aew yes. and ring of honor and impact are uh okay so there's more domestic yeah brands yeah impact used to be called tna <coughs> Um, we, we, we LOL TNA. That was a meme for a long time because they yeah. were just a joke for a long time. But they, in the last year or two, they've kind of gotten their act together. I don't watch their show, but like every time I see what they're doing right now, it's like that, that looks really good. They got a lot of, uh, of the top guys from Lucha Underground are there now. So like Brian Cage uh-huh. is there. Um, the Lucha Brothers, now they're going to be going to AEW, but they've been in Impact for a little while. Yep. Johnny Morrison, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Impact, whatever you want to call them. Taya Valkyrie, uh, uh, Rodney Mack, the Mack. The Mack. Yes. Love um, the Mack. And uh, an up-and-coming, up and com- their women's division has always been strong. Even back in when they were TNA, 
their knockouts division, as they call it, has always been really good, and it's still really good. It's anchored mm. now by Tessa Blanchard, Ty Valkyrie, and Jordan Grace, and like, I, it, it, you know, I'm not gonna lie. On paper, it's like I should probably be watching the show because it, like, there's a yeah. lot of talent over there. Do you do you see a world in where like they merge with ROH for purposes of survival? I don't know how. I don't know. <sighs> the thing with ROH is it's owned by Sinclair Broadcasting, so. They got. Oh, you don't know about Sinclair Broadcasting? I don't know what it is. Well, Sinclair Broadcasting is a multi-billion dollar right-wing media company. And they own television stations all over the country. And they just bought up a whole bunch of Fox affiliates now that Fox is getting out of the TV game, more or less. Yeah. So Sinclair is, uh, they were already big, and now they're getting bigger. They own Ring of Honor, but they don't really involve themselves too much in Ring of Honor, but they're still owned by Sinclair. So as long as they've got that kind of backing, I don't know that they would ever really go under. It just depends on how much they mean to Sinclair, which doesn't appear to be much, but it's cheap. The The way a lot of these TV outfits look at wrestling, for them, it's cheap content. Which is weird because wrestling shows are actually kind of expensive to put on. Yeah, yeah. but to a TV to a TV, TV network, um, it's apparently cheap content that fills time. Well, I mean, it's kind of probably falls into that reality TV in a roundabout to a degree. Way. I mean, you're not think about and think that's of it this always going to be cheaper than like shows or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to you don't have to pay script writers, yeah. uh, a full crew, ca- you know, catering. Yeah. I'm uh, guessing producers, one episode of like, writers, etc. You know. Law and Order, whatever, is more expensive to produce than one episode of Raw. Probably. Yeah. Don't quote me on that, but I would assume that's correct. So anyway, yeah, wrestling. Yay. That was fun. Um, we should maybe maybe one show in the not-too-distant future do a... I know you're, I know you're you know, adverse to lists, but <laughs> do a list. Do, like, the top five media brands or, like, and intellectual properties or whatnot that need to be owned by someone else. Mm. <laughs> I, that, yeah, that one. Well, well, Ring we, of honor, we, we, we DC. Can, yeah. Oh God. We'll talk about that. Um, well, you can take, uh, you can take, um, fantastic four and X-Men off that list now. So, yes. so there's room. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, so that was cool. Um, yeah. after that, uh, but, but, but not a lot. I, um, I, I mean, weekends are weekends. We, there was a lot going on here and there. Uh, Mother's Day was cool. We had a little thing here. Uh, my mom, my sister came over um, with my my niece, my little baby niece, yep. and Grant got to hang out with her. He was hilarious with her, by the way. He cool. was like freaking out over over seeing another infant. <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Oh, dude, it was hilarious. He was like freaking out, like, "Oh my god, look at her!" Um, but you know that that really uh that that kind of covers covers it other than that i'm back in the gym um doing doing pretty good there my new guitar after two years of waiting finally arrived cool um it's it's glorious is it this one here it's it's the one in that's over there oh the green strap kind of hiding it's fantastic um it is it is called metroid and uh it it's it's oh it's amazing have you hooked up to the penny marshall app yet the the, amp the penny marshall amp it's there's no pe- I don't have any Marshall amps here. Don't you don't you remember? Well, that that's that's a there? cabinet, not an amp. What's the difference? An amp is the thing on top. That's an amplifier. The cabinet just is speakers that you plug All into. Right. But have you hooked a, hooked up to the the Penny Marshall no speaker? No. 
Okay. I hooked it up to the Mesa, the Mesa, the Mesa rig. That's my rig. That the other one's my dad's. <laughs> That's here for show until okay. uh, he picks it up. So anyway, I've actually started tracking some guitars for the Long Cold Dark record. Um, I've got quite a bit done on one song. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a, a process with with the lad and yeah. doing this. So mm-hmm. even though I can do it silently, it's still hard just to have uninterrupted blocks of time where I can come down here and work. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk so, about that in a bit, too. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, um, that more or less catches us up to right here, right now. Cool. How have your weeks been, seeing as we've spent some yes. of that together? <laughs> um, my weeks have been good. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, Cinco de Mayo, we had fun there. Uh, Mother's Day was good. I got Julia Hammock for the ah. outside. She's wanted one for a long time, so I got her one. Um, she was very Did happy. you get it in the Hammock District? No, got off of Amazon. Oh, Hank Scorpio would be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. This past Saturday, we had Duty Dice Day again. We did. We had a great turnout to Duty Dice Day, including you and Jen. Yeah, we made it out, man. <coughs> we had the day off together, and it was like, hey, let's let's go. Yeah. Especially since we didn't do game night the night before. It was it was a lot of Why didn't we do game night the night before? Uh, Jen had doggy stuff to do. I was watching the boy, and then when she finally did get home, I um, she allowed me about three hours to come down here and, and, okay. and, and play guitar, yeah. which I took advantage of. Cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was fun. It did not go as late as most Duty Dice Days have gone. We were done by about... Seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. Okay, starting from noon, um, but it was good. Uh, my friends Greg came out. You missed Greg. Um, he came out. My friend Corey came out. We played Dice Forge, and then I introduced Corey to Key Forge. So there was a lot of forging going on early on. Yes, and then um, Corey busted out his Godfather game. We played the Godfather game. You guys show up. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Godfather. It was pretty good. It was. It was. Uh, Seemed like a nice combination of like Blood Rage and Knoxford. Sort of. Yeah. Um, I thought I was doing pretty well, but I, but Corey was uh, stealthily stashing five dollar bills in that briefcase. I, yeah, I didn't that, know what was going that on. That would be me, sir. Did you win the game? Yes, I did. Oh, sorry. I I was paying attention to him for yeah. some reason. Everybody was uh everybody was fighting over them territories. I'm like, I'm just gonna get this little bit of money here, this that's, little bit of money there. That's kind of what I was trying to do. Yep. So, but yeah, I really like the uh, the mechanics of the game, and the cards are very flavorful and whatnot, and really kind of embraced the source material. Yeah, so that was a definitely. lot of fun. Um, I think that's pretty much it for my weeks. Uh, All right. Dear listeners, if you'd like to tell us about your weeks, if you'd like to send us any emails or uh, statements to be right on the show, you can do so at the following locations. You can find us on the social medias on Twitter at devil's do pod. You can like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash devil's do pod. You can email us at the devil's do pod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the devil's do podcast.com. Through that being said, we do have some emails to catch up on. Cool. Uh, starting with the la- last week's emails that unfortunately we didn't get to. Uh, first up from uh, good friend Adam, who you guys ran into at Duty Dice Day. Yes. Then uh, again, this email is from last week. So, good evening, amigos. Hope these questions find you well. Drew, hey. how is that toy song coming along for Carl? Toy song. You know about oh. me having all the toys. <laughs> 
I can't sing it on the show. It's too vulgar. Where do I go? Oh, that's another thing I did over there. I saw on Cinco de Mayo before the party started. Yeah, I couldn't I, make I it. I went and saw um, the 30th. Yeah. Folks, we're old. Yes. yes 30th we anniversary screening of the 1989 Batman. I wanted to go. It was great. I, it was really great. It really holds up well. I I, I tweeted in, in Facebook post that I'm in the theater to see, you know, Batman 1989 for its 30th anniversary screening. If I wanted to, in the same theater, I could also see Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, or Shazam. What a wonderful time we live in. This is the times we live in now. Yes. Um, yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. There was a really cool little intro by Ralph Garman, and despite the film's problems, it still holds up very well. That's awesome. Would have liked to have gone see Batman Returns, because they were doing all four yeah. of the 80s, 90s Batmans in theaters, um, but I just didn't, couldn't make it out for that one. Returns is uh, interesting. It's, it's an interesting movie. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some... Re- it's it's like the the first one. It's got some really great things about it. Yeah. Then it's got some things that just don't work. Yes. That's that's all fair to say. Yeah. I think the thing that bothered me most about it was just the radical um, departure of the uh, Gotham design of the first movie. It that like always bothered me. Gotham in the first movie... There are spots where you can tell it's a soundstage. It's a soundstage, and there are spots where you can tell it was filmed on location somewhere. Yeah, Batman Returns. It's all set. Yes, and it's not great looking. It's, it's designed well. It is, but but even, but I think it's the design that I didn't like. But it, it makes it makes the film seem much smaller. Well, definitely. If I, and I think the thing with Returns that bothered me though is like the the palette. And the look of Gotham in the first movie is very um, rusty looking. Yeah. And kind of, uh, it looks very, it looks lived very in. lived in. Yeah. And, and, and worn and, and dirty. And then Returns, it's very silver and bluish. Very like black, white, silver, yeah. blue. And I mean, you could argue, well, Tim Burton, of course, but um, I, you know, I think they should have maybe stuck with the visual language of the first movie a little more, Yeah, but it didn't quite work out that way. I guess, I mean, Anton Firth, the, the designer of the first movie, he died, so that's why yeah. they went with a different direction, but they kept the Batmobile at least. They did. They did. Best Batmobile? It is. Hands down. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, Okay. Uh, when going back to Adam's question, when I finish hollow Knight in the year yes. 2022, <laughs> uh, what game should I take a spin on solo adventure on the switch? Oh man. By then it's going to be so many more. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know what to tell. I don't even know what to say. Um, I've heard great things about the messenger, um, the Ninja Gaiden S game that kind of goes between eight bit and 16 bit. Okay. Um, I've heard great things about Celeste, which is like a, um, it's a platformer, and like your only move is basically a jump. So everything you do has to be time jumps. And from what I hear, it's um, you die a lot, but it's not frustrating, and it's actually like a very rewarding game. So I hope there's there's that. Um, if you hasn't played Axiom Verge, I would recommend Axiom Verge. Um, it's another Metroidvania game, but it's more eight um, bit in style than sixteen. But with wide, okay. it's more like more like um, uh, sh- uh, Shovel Knight than it is like a sixteen bit game. But uh, Metroidvania... Would you do Shovel Knight? Shovel Knight? Oh, of course. If you haven't played Shovel Knight, 
play Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight is incredible. And then uh, next month, next month, oh, I'm excited. I'm so excited. Uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night comes out next month. So did you see the new trailer for that, by the way? I, know, I did not. So we're not going to have, I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about this like in the news ad verbatim or uh, ad nauseum. So I'm just going to tell you here. People were uh, apparently complaining online about the air quotes bland graphics and attacks of in the original footage that they showed like yeah. some months ago. So this video opens up and it's all these user comments complaining about the game and it's in the visuals. And then they show a new trailer. Like they show Iga sitting at the table. Iga's the producer. Yeah. And he like, he's like, okay, I hear you. Like, you know, in Japanese or whatever. And then they show gameplay footage and they show old versus new and they completely like, I don't, they didn't, I'm not going to say revamped, but they addressed like every polished complaint. They polished nicely. it big time. It looks incredibly better. And it didn't look, I didn't think personally that it looked bad to begin with, yeah. but it looks better now. Nice. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that a lot. Cool. Speaking of Ninja Gaiden, yeah. jumping back really quick, you got to uh, play Ninja Gaiden arcade game for the first time ever. Oof. <laughs> the <laughs> game that is harder than the Ninja Gaiden Nintendo game. You know, it's harder, but, I, but, but not in like a more fun way. It's, it's like a completely different game. It is. It's like your attacks are totally different. Once, once you kind of get comfortable with mechanics and control and kind of learn what you can do in the game, yeah. it gets much better. Sure. It's still really freaking hard. Oh, it's a, it was a quarter muncher, by, of yeah. course. But uh, to me, it's the superior version of the game. Wow. I, I always enjoyed the arcade more than... Now, I'm not saying, again, not saying the NES version is bad. No, it's a classic. Just saying, the for me personally, if okay. I have to choose between two, the, the arcade version. All right. That's fair. All right. Carl, now that you've played X-Wing 2.0 for a few months now, what are your thoughts? Has it improved the game? Um, what do you miss from 1.0 other than playing with me on the regular? I do miss playing X-Wing with Adam. I really do. He's just not into it anymore, which is unfortunate. Um, I do. What do I miss from 1.0? Um, nothing. Yeah. 1.0 towards the end was not, was losing a lot of the, the fun aspect to it. So there's not really anything I miss from 1.0 that I can instantly think of. Um, yes. Uh, 2.0, it's a, it's a better game. They've definitely improved the game. I don't think they've necessarily made the game they uh, set out to make because there are some things that are still in the game that probably shouldn't have been put back into the game this time around, but we'll see. Um, the game is the game can has the potential now to change every six months or so because nothing is... There's very few stuff that's like key to the ship that's actually printed on the cards now so that they can change that and they numerous apps that you can use for the game. So yeah, 2.0 has been, been a lot of fun. Really enjoy it. Cool. Carl and Drew, now that Endgame is making all the money, mm-hmm. I want to know, what is your top five movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? What about top five support? It, it, it's like, <laughs> I can't do does this. Does he not listen to the show? I can't do lists. People, Drew doesn't like doing top five lists. I mean, if you want me to name my five favorites, I can probably do that. And it's not going to be in any particular order, but I can try. And number one is always... Okay, I'll I'll give you my number one. And number one is always going to be Captain America, the Winter Soldier. That is my favorite one. Uh, Below that, insert Marvel flick here. Uh, I mean, where do I begin? Endgame is great. 
Infinity War is great. The original Avengers is great. Black Panther is great. Uh, Civil War is great. I love Spider-Man Homecoming more than you do. Uh, you do. Th- th- Thor Ragnarok is great. Both Guardians of the Galaxy movies are great. Yes. I mean, th- th- no Marvel films are bad, and I will. Yeah. I stand by that. Not yeah. one of them. Not there Iron are Man. some that are weaker. Yes. But, but there are none that bad. are bad. No. Even Iron Man two and Thor two well, are Man good 3. movies. I still like Iron Man three. I don't get. I never understood the hatred for Iron Man two. And nobody can give me a reason why they think it's bad. They're I don't know why like, either. Yeah, it's bad. I'm like, no. The no, it's really great. not, actually. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, my my favorite is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah. Because yeah. it's essentially a story about fathers and sons. But after that, just kind of like what you said there. It's like you can't, like, Captain America Winter Soldier, um, the original Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've always been a fan of the Incredible Hulk. They didn't like they they don't really acknowledge it but they should because it's not a bad movie yeah like i think the hulk in the incredible hulk looks better than he did in the avengers films oh i can't get i can't get with that i think i think visually he looks better um different strokes yeah uh but yeah sorry sorry adam big yeah. fan of ruffalo hulk we, we got uh, well i'm not i'm not saying like you know edward norton was was bad because he wasn't he was good. Yeah. But yeah. Like, no, I mean, I'm saying the, the Ruffalo version yeah. of Hulk. I like how he looks kind of like Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Especially in Endgame. And goes on, thanks for being a place to process my nerdum. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. All the drinks. All the cheers. All the cheers. All right. So thank you, Adam. Moving on to Mr. Cyrus Moore. Greetings, gentlemen. Hope you are well. I'd like to first thank Drew for a story last week about repairing controllers. I brought up some chi- it brought up some childhood memories. The SNES was a console of my youth, and my dogs loved to chew up the controllers. Oh. Uh, coming from a lower middle class family, where there's no way where my parents would continually buy replacements, my dad worked a lot, but he was able to give me some pointers. Regardless, I still had to become an expert in splicing and soldering new wires if I had my SNES to be. Any more? If I wanted my SNES to be any more than a paperweight. Those are good life skills. Yes. My question this week is actually my idea for how the MCU can incorporate mutants without having to pretend like they always existed but never did anything significant. Okay. Do you really think, and he puts it in quotations here, do you really think 4 billion people could be uh, vaporized to ash and reconstituted five years later with some with none of them suffering any changes to their DNA. Mm. I mean, that's an interesting way to, to take on it. Um, See, the, th- the, the, the fundamental problem, and it's bigger than just the problem with this particular scenario where that would create mutants. Yeah. The big, the big thing that they're going to have to kind of address in some way with the snap and, the re- and then the coming back, yeah. the five-year gap and all that is like, that's that's a really defining moment that is going to impact people's lives going forward permanently in that universe. Yeah. So like, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of get around that or don't or don't yeah. going forward. I, I don't I don't think after something like that, life would just go back to what it was. No for the world. And so like, if you were then to incorporate the mutants into it, I I don't like the idea that. Um, one event that they all share in common is like the thing that that made them mutants. I, yeah. f- I feel like I, you know, random selection, evolution. That's the big theme of of the X Men, yeah. and I think that should remain it that way. But it does get tricky when you say like, you know, you can. How do you argue that they've always been around? We just haven't seen them yet. You know, so yeah, they have, Marvel does have a bit of a uh, 
a hill to climb there. Yeah, I think uh, the most important thing to realize is that we're going to talk about this a little bit in the news. The Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward is going to be very different from the Marvel Cinematic Universe we have just kind of oh yeah definitely seen a conclusion to for sure so we'll see what they do there mm-hmm. uh, Cyrus thank you very much for your question as always next on to back from the great beyond Mr Jay Jelson oh my God <laughs> we must offer our heartfelt congratulations to Mr Jay Jelsomino he and his wife Samantha welcome their new baby girl Nola to the world yeah so I hope you guys are doing well. And it looks like we have an answer to that sentiment in the first question. Drew and Carl, what the hell were Samantha and I thinking? I mean, you guys maybe should have asked us first, and we could have told you. Probably probably not a good idea. I, I've always found it prudent when a major life decision is at hand to seek wise and godly counsel. That's us. Sure. Yeah. Trust that. Come on. Have some... Have some uh, have some faith in yourself. I, I'm, I'm hesitant kidding. to I'm, call I'm, myself either. I'm 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 very happy for Jay. Honestly, yeah, we're both happy for Jay. Uh, Drew, who do you we have played. winning the Super J Cup? Is this like a competition between NJPW. all the Jays in the world? <laughs> no. <laughs> if there is, my boy's on. Well, Jay, I love you, but I mean, my boy's on Jason Statham. To, to be honest, I mean, I, I do. I could just do that in my own life because I know like forty-seven Jasons. <laughs> the oh, the J draft. The J draft. Oh God, <laughs> don't put me in that spot. Um, I'm, who, who's going to win the Super J Cup? Uh, 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 um, as as the, the, the pick them. The Repo Man. Pick them. The, the Brooklyn Brawler. I got nothing. Pick pick Corporal em. Kirshner. It could go to anybody this year. Honky Tonk Man. The more the more prudent question: Who's going to win the G one? And I definitely have wild theories about that. Nikolai but Volkov. These guys are all dead. Oh. They're still going to win. In our hearts. <laughs> In our hearts, they're going to win. Carl, does anybody actually miss me at work? Did everyone pass their phone test? Yes, everyone did pass their phone test. And yes, sir, you are sorely missed at work. Please, please hurry back. Um, all right. So that about does it for the questions. And before we get to the news, trust me, folks, there's there's a lot of news to get to. It's going to be a long episode, folks. I'm just preparing you right now um <laughs> someone out there it's already long so we've been how long have we been like what 45 minutes already that's not too bad about 30 uh, yeah that's even better okay so we've been thinking and talking and we've mentioned it on shows past um kind of the the future of our show here and what we do here and we've been kind of you know, we had a couple different options in front of us now with, you know, Daredevil finishing. Next week, we're going to finish up Daredevil. Um, and we, you know, a couple different things. And we just kind of sat down and, and talked. And, you know, it was always the thought of rebranding and, and going forward. And then an opportunity for other things adjacent to that came up. Um but we had both we we both kind of forwarded the idea of you know what whatever we decide to do next we we need to take a little bit of a break um and when we were having that discussion i'll be i'll be the first one to admit I was the one who put the question forward because I felt that 
it needed to be asked was that should we just kind of call it a day with the show and you know just kind of say hey we did we did what we did close up shop see you guys later thanks for hanging out um because i feel like the devil's due as it is kind of right now has kind of run its course i feel like we've kind of said everything we kind of set out to say in the beginning of this. And then, you know, I posed that question to you and we talked about, it. we talked about it a couple of weeks ago before game night. And I think where we kind of landed is that after, um, after next week, we're going to go on a hiatus. We're going to take a break, you know, might, might be for a month, might be a little bit longer, um, and then, you know, there's still going to be a show and it's still probably going to be called the devil's due. Um, but it's going to be not as frequent as you guys are probably used to. Um, and it ultimately just comes down to, we both have responsibilities in this life, uh, ever growing responsibilities that require uh, more and more attention and it's they're good responsibilities to have and thing we, things we want to give attention to and it's not that we don't want to do the show it's just that you know we don't want to do a show that we're not fully invested in and we want to make sure we're giving due time to these other, um, I don't want to say more important. Well, spoilers, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> if you're listening to the show, yes, our kids are more important than you. I'm sorry. Um, our families are more important than you. We love you all to death if you're listening, but our families are more important than you. Someone just unsubscribed. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your family. So that's, uh, I, know, I don't know what you want to kind of chime No, you, know, you kind of said it all. Um, I mean, the things are just, more hectic than ever and uh rather than come out here and like just do it out of obligation i just feel like we've we you know we had we had a a goal and we had a a theme that we stuck to and that kind of has you know obviously gone away so do we do we ride it out for the sake of it that that feels a little forced and i don't think that would be fair to us and i don't think it would be very good content either for you the listener so um yeah uh, a, a definite breather is necessary um, and that's not to say that uh, there 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 aren't things on the horizon that I'm eager to po- probably talk about. Because another part of you know my own personal like kind of want to step away for a little while is like it is harder and harder for me to keep up with all the things happening. And like when you are looked expected to be uh, an opinion haver about all the things, yeah, I have less and less of a real opinion on all the things. And I don't want to just like tell you how to feel about stuff if I really don't feel anything. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, I yeah, there's there, we're we're living in a in a glorious, gloriously saturated time of geek content, and I can't possibly follow all of it. Yeah. So I pick and choose my battles, mm-hmm. and the rest I kind of you know is kind of water under the bridge, and we'll see where it lands. But uh, there are things coming up that have my attention, which we'll talk about very, sh- very shortly, actually, uh, yeah, in this I th- episode. I think um, 
after next week, you probably won't hear from us till Spider Man. We'll pop yeah, in and do, sure, sure, do a review on that. After that, though, we we may be off until this new Watchmen series. That's the big one for me, which we're, we're going to talk about. We're, but yeah, we're both looking at that. Um, and also we could leave with that if you want, but well. Well, no, we still still got some news to get through. Okay. Um, but after that, there's a question of unfinished business with the Star Wars universe. With the, you know, the Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker's coming. We've done Force Awakens, and we've done Last Jedi. So We'll be yeah. there for the end. We'll be there for that. Um, also, don't, don't forget that uh, this summer, probably after um, um, Far From Home comes out, I would fully expect Marvel to formally announce the air quotes untitled films yeah. on the slate for phase four. So uh, I'm sure that's going to open up a lot of doors that we're going to want to have some, some chats about. So, yep. you know, so yeah, we're, uh, we're not going away. We're just kind of taking a break. We're going to pop in every once in a while and say hi. It's th- with the advent of social media, man, you can find us and yeah. chime in anytime you want and yep. we'll get back to you. We'll and, talk. Um, I want to give, I, I'm, I'm sure Drew shares this, a, a supreme heartfelt thank you to those of you who have listened, whether you've been with us from day one or you just found us recently. Um, if you just found us recently or really digging the show, I'm sorry. Well, there's a um, hundred and some odd episodes you can yeah, go back and listen to. Go back and listen to all the good stuff. Um, but definitely a heartfelt thank you to everyone who has supported us, everyone who's, who's listened to us. Um, over the past couple of years, we've been doing this, and I think we're both in a in a really good place with this decision. And I want to thank you, because ah. um, again, we've we've talked about before. I kind of dragged you into this, kicking and screaming, uh, sort of. Yeah, you know, I <laughs> had to had to put you into a full Nelson lock to get you to agree to do a family friendly <laughs> show. Um, and you kind of you met me where I wanted to be on a lot of this stuff. And this show is just as much what it has become um, more so probably because of you than because of me. Oh, stop. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Actually, no, it's probably your pleasure. It's it's both of our pleasures. It's been fun. (laughs) It's been fun. You dragged me in and I was reluctant, but no, it's been a great time. So we have one more of these in us. And yep. then, um, and then we'll take a little break. But uh, we look, you know, thank you. Go on a walkabout. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm, gonna go I'm gonna go find Paul Hogan. <laughs> you're gonna be, you're gonna be like, just kind of walk the earth. Sure, like Kane from Kung Fu. <laughs> um, so, yeah, don't yeah. worry about it, man. It's it's all good. We're still here. We're happy. Uh, things are good, and um, we will be around. Don't you? If you know where to look for us, you can find us. We're 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 yep. here for you. So we'll be around. Yeah. So by all means, get those those questions in for that last. Yeah. Seeing as we have show. one more show, you better send in questions and comments yeah. and stuff, y'all. Yep. All okay. right. So where do you want to begin? Let us go to the news. Uh, some of these we can just kind of skim over. Well, I'm going to do the stuff we we could just kind of shoot over. Okay. Quickly. Okay. Okay. So Drew, mm. did you know they're remaking Final Fantasy VII? I did know that. <laughs> it was announced. Um, about a couple years ago, three years ago, I yeah, think. it's been a little while, and we've heard nothing until this past week where a trailer dropped. Well, at one point, uh, maybe a year, a year ish ago, they announced that um, they weren't happy with the progress, and they sacked the team that was on it and brought it in house. Ooh! So this has now been a year since then, and yeah. we got a new trailer finally. Sure. Yeah. It's- oh, okay. Look. 
I'm see as Alan and myself are playing Final Fantasy VII again on Switch now. Yeah, I'm 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 knee deep in this, and I think I brought it up on the show a few weeks ago, where I'm rubbing up against it. Um, phrasing, <laughs> where it's it's clearly a game, and it was made at a time when narrative storytelling, um, and more and a more cinematic presentation were like a new thing. Yeah, and they went all in on that, and you know it's great. But it's also rubbing up against the technical limitations and the genre conventions that Square was traditionally attached to, that being turn-based RPGs, random encounters, um, that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. And it makes for a very disjointed kind of game in a way. It's still a great game, but it's also a very odd game. So they're remaking it, and they're making it look all super pretty and nice and voice acting, and it's no longer going to be turn-based. It's going to be real-time action combat and... You know, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about those those changes, but maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Um, but I don't like. I'll be. I'll be. I'll be honest with you. As cool as it looks, and it does look cool. Like I'm not. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, the the world of Final looking. Fantasy VII is very. People love it for a reason. It's Square very, makes pretty games. Yeah, that has always been a staple. of Sure, them. and not just whether or not the game is good or bad. You can always count on it being visually beautiful. And not only that, I think Seven resonated for a lot of reasons because it was so uh, unique visually, yeah. and its world is very distinct. Mm-hmm. It's iconic at this point in a way. So seeing it, you know, fully realized and, and rendered, and you know, yada yada. Yeah, it's it's exciting, but uh, the real time combat is is a little scary to me as a as an old schooler, and I don't. As far as I know, their plan to release this is not. It's not going to be Final Fantasy VII remake, sixty dollars at retail. Here you yeah, go. No, it's episodic. episodic, which which leads me to believe. Oh yeah, it'll be forty bucks for that first chapter, thirty for the second, twenty for the third, or yeah. or something like that. So you get a nickel and dime me to get the whole game, and I, then there's the DLC component. What's that going to look yep. like? Because you know it'll be there. Can I spend thirty dollars to save Eris? Spoilers. Uh, I don't. I hope not, but I don't know. I don't know what to make. You better of it. call her Eris, not Aerith. I can. I can go either way there, but yeah, I kind of feel you. Um, yeah, I mean, I played the original back in the day, and it was it was great. And I I always did find the transition from like the the CG cutscenes to the block yeah. characters yes. very kind of jarring. It is. I, but, so you know, I like to see kind of like the uniformity of it now. Use your um, well, I did. But like I said, like I said, yeah. it was trying, it was pushing the boundaries at a time when they were still sort of hindered, you know, yeah. by like, technical no, limitations. So uh, my interest in this is tepid at best. Mm. And it's all going to depend on price point. Yeah. Whether yeah. or not I get involved. Um, okay, so, Drew, mm-hmm. uh, Mortal Kombat 11 came out recently. It's enjoying uh, success it's as we are currently in a new golden age of fighting games. Seems to be, seems to be beloved thus and far. And success breeds uh, new things many times, and it looks like we are getting a new Mortal Kombat film oh. produced by Aquaman and Fast and Furious director James Wan. That's uh, I'm not gonna lie. That's that's a that's a big uh, that's a big get. You know, a couple of months back, I I went back and watched the original Mortal Kombat film. Yeah, and it. I, was I mean, just talking with someone today about this. The the visual effects look terrible. Y- like, yeah, they're 
really it's like hey remember what 90 cg looked like looked like this looked like this <laughs> um they all couldn't be jurassic park yeah and the the film did commit some very grave sins, like yeah. you know, we never got a Scorpion Sub Zero fight. No, but for the most part, it holds up. It's, and it's, it's good. It's a fine film. It's, um, it's not a great film. It's yeah, a fine film. It's, it, for what it is, it's good. The fight scenes are tremendous. Yes, and, that, and and honestly, like if you're going to a movie like this, that you better deliver in that department, and they really did. Yeah, the uh, the fight choreography was way ahead of anything being done at the time um you know carrie tagawa shang Tsung is great i love the fact that we're getting you know dlc of him as shang Tsung in the game sure sure um but yeah i'll be interested to see what they do with this james wan's on board so it, i mean that that's gonna that you know the action will be solid action's gonna be solid I, if anything else um it'll be the effects are gonna be better i, I the problem not the problem but the question i have about it is what are the studio's expectations for it? Yeah. And what I mean by that is, let's be honest, the original Mortal Kombat film, fine and all, yep. but what could, they, they couldn't really give you the full experience of Mortal Kombat no. because they stuck to a PG-13 rating. And in this day and age, do they have to do that again? I don't know. I My instinct says yes, because they want that box office, but they also know that the property is the property, and they might say, you know what? We're throwing caution to the wind. Let's make it yeah. rated R and give you all the I, violence that you I expect think, from a Mortal Kombat yeah. game. I think that, you know, because of movies like Deadpool and Logan, yeah, um, there's a strong chance this will be uh, rated R, and I hope that's the way they go because that's, you know. That's Mortal Kombat, man. You want to make a PG-13 fighting game movie? Make Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah, for you real. Know, you want to make a, an R-rated one? Make Mortal Kombat. True that. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Look forward to that. I, I I'm, it's got my curiosity. Yeah. Uh, my curiosity for sure. Uh, just reported today, Disney has gained full control of Hulu. Well, there's all your Fox movies. Yep. <laughs> um, I really think Disney's kind of going to use this as an outlet for more adult themed yep. media. Yep. And keep the more family friendly stuff to the Disney Plus app. That, I think it's a smart move. It's the most obvious thing in the world. Yep. Gives us a, gives them a platform to bring back Marvel Knights. If they so choose, yeah. Fingers yep. crossed. Um, and th- that also kind of uh, explains um, those show announcements on Hulu Plus. Yeah. Or on Hulu, uh, like Ghost Rider yep. and uh, uh, um, Hellstrom. Ghost Rider not being... Leave Robbie Reyes alone. He's fine. Johnny Blaze and Danny Catcher go home. And before Danny Catch, there was only Johnny Blaze. And someone out there was grumbling about that, too. But then we, we grew to love Danny Catch. And someone out there right now, like you, is now grumbling about Robbie Reyes. And this, and to, and to the, to the kid it just looks wrong with a car. I like the car. It just looks wrong with a car. Look, man. Motorcycle, horse, car. He's he's riding in something. Woolly Mammoth. Yes, like, exactly. I mean, all right. The Woolly Mammoth was cool. See? See? Um, okay. So, and kind of in the lines of that, the basically Disney had a big, okay, this is what's coming down the pipe. Yep. Meaning. Yep. Yep. And we got two, two things kind of confirmed for us. One, the next, like we mentioned earlier, the next wave of Marvel films will be announced some point this summer. Yes, sir. Cool. Awesome. Can't wait to see what you guys have. Uh, the second is that the the next 
chapter in Star Wars, the next film chapter, will be the uh, trilogy done by the guys who are currently show running Game of Thrones, uh, Benioff and Wise. Yeah, people have opinions on that right now. People, here's, I'm just going to, because I know you don't watch. I don't. People are wanting things that don't really work in the story. And things that have happened over the past couple episodes, if you look, you've seen the seeds of those things happening for a long time now. But people don't want that. They want their flash over their substance. And also, I think they are living in a post-endgame glow where we just saw a 10, 11-year narrative completed with dang near perfection. Um, Again, I don't uh, watch Game of Thrones. We know this. However... Is it fair for these people to say these guys were praised and got the Star Wars gig based on the success of a show that the material for which was provided to them? All they had to do was adapt it competently. And then once that content ran out, they had to go it alone and figure it out. And then since that point, people have been underwhelmed. Are they wrong to feel that way? I don't. Well, I don't think that's accurate. I think the, I mean that's what happened. Not necessarily. I think that's that, exactly what there was. Well, no, th- there I, were books. Then there were no books, <laughs> right? Because HBO paid the author George R. R. Martin all the money yeah. to not publish the last book because HBO's smart. He's not done HBO, yet. HBO, it's done. But HBO he insists it's not. Um, but yes, he insists it's done while he's counting his money. Okay. HBO knew they had the people who liked the show but they didn't have all the people like the books. How do you get the people like the books? You give them stuff they don't have yet by giving them the end before no, they I can think read you're, over, you're overthinking this. <laughs> no, it's, you're it, way overthinking that. It'll be fine. I think uh, the, the leading rumor, and you know how I am for rumors and whatnot, <clears throat> leading rumor is that this will be an old Republic story, which I'm totally fine with. Okay. Um, the first things you ever see in Star Wars are a long time ago. So, so now, is, now it, it can be a long, long time. I was ago. gonna say, are they gonna open up a longer time ago? <laughs> a longer time ago. <laughs> um. So yeah, that will be interesting to see. And uh, what I really kind of hope is that like the Ryan Johnson trilogy will pick up the characters, the new legacy characters from the current trilogy, Ray, Poe, Finn, and he'll get to do like his thing with them but that's gonna this all doesn't begin for until 2022 correct correct okay so the ryan johnson trilogy is is a ways off unless they go back to annual release in which case they could do alternating movies i kind of hope they don't but it's not i feel you yeah um okay so some comic news uh tom king who's been absolutely killing it on batman um for the past couple years has teased that his and the end of his run, which is coming up in like I think the next fifteen issues are bring coming to the end of his run. Um, it says it's going to bring major changes to the character, possibly for generations, and that these changes are so intense that they've had to be approved by Warner Brothers and AT and T. Yeah, because because kids, in case you didn't know. <laughs> AT and T owns Batman. Owns Batman. Yeah. Um, I uh, have I have made no secret about it. I've loved 
Tom King's run on Batman. It's been the best Batman I've read in years. Um, and I really, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little worried about this. I know we were talking about this earlier. And everything in comics reverts back to the status quo. And, but it's just like, just stick the landing. You don't have to bring about a major change to the character. Just stick the landing. Unless they feel he needs a shakeup. And maybe maybe that's what they think. I don't even know what this means. It's comics, dude. So he, he, he can say, like, I had to have these talks with the big powers that be. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, it, it's comics. You could make some radical change, and then in a, in a year, it, it could be undone. Um, yep. Nothing stays the same in comics, man, <laughs> ever. Well, no, yeah. I, I take that back. Nothing ever changes in comics. There's just the illusion of change. And then things are back to the status quo pretty quickly. Yeah. If they say, well, Batman kills now. I'm gonna no, like, nope, no, done, no, done with the character. No, I, that's not Tom King style. I don't think you would do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, if anything, what are they going to do? Kill Bruce? That's been done. Yeah. Uh, a couple times. I, I mean, what could they? What could they possibly do at this point that would be, that would be shocking? That's the thing. It's like, why are you doing this? Are you doing this to tell a good story? You're doing this for like shock factor. And I think like really the only thing left. Is to say, well, he's just he's just going to kill now. And no, I, I I didn't I didn't get there. I thought maybe that he would maybe publicly identify himself as Batman. Bruce Wayne outs himself to everyone. Mm. Bruce he... goes public. I don't think that's ever been done. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so that's on DCN. Now over to Marvel end. Uh, Jonathan Hickman. He's back in Hickman form. In in act in mutant form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh he's taking over the entire X Men line, and you you're probably saying Drew Carl. That's like sixty eight books. Uh, not how's, for long. It ain't. How's he gonna do all that? Yeah, all those books are ending, and it's getting whittled down to two books for now. For now. Uh, Power of X and House of X. And then once th- th- those are two six-issue miniseries each. Yep. And then after which the line will relaunch. So there will be more books. Yeah. But I don't know what they are. And it seems like he has a big master plan going forward for the X-Men. Something which I might add, probably they have not had in a long time. And on top of that, I've voiced on this show before. The X-Men, to me, have been stale for a long time, personally speaking. Yes. They haven't felt important. They haven't... They've been doing stuff, but none of it's really yeah. been... I, I'm, not, I, I would, I'm very reluctant to say any of it's been good. Uh, turning Cyclops' heel was kind of a... Eh, move to me. Yeah. Sure, it made him, air quotes, interesting. But, like, if you didn't think he was interesting before, I think you were not trying very hard to read your comics. Um... Let's see what he's got. I, if I know nothing else about Hickman, I haven't loved everything he's ever done, but he is a meticulous plotter. So he has this laid out. I'm sure he has a master plan, and it's going to be executed to the letter. Whether or not it's good, I don't know yet, but I know he's not just winging this. He's got a, he's got a map, and it's going to be yeah. It is going to be done by by the book. So let me ask you this. Would you be willing to give these new books a chance? Sure. Sure. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, show me the pitch first, I guess. But, I mean, 
If anything else, and I've, I've read this elsewhere, they said that this is like the most radical shakeup that the X-Men books have had since Grant Morrison came on when he did new X-Men in, in the early 2000s. Guess what? That got me back on board with the X-Men. Yeah. Because I had fallen out in the late 90s. I couldn't keep up with all that nonsense. It just got ridiculous. Like Age of Apocalypse happened and I was like, ah, what? what? And, Age of Apocalypse was great. And I tuned out. And I never came back until they relaunched it with new X-Men. I stuck around for a couple of years after Age of Apocalypse, but then just got, like you said, just got to be too much. It's too much. And if you read the Morrison Manifesto, not to bring this back to Grant Morrison, but I'm just for comparison's sake, he points that out. He says, this property is a mess, and I want to bring it back to a, simp- a simple yeah, simple take. Here's my roster. Let's get back to the the Claremont uh, feel and, and focus on these characters and, and their investment in their lives and not the melodrama and, and the crossovers yep. and the and the really wild wacky shenanigans that they all get into and you know that that was the way it was for a good good little while and then since then Whedon's run was good too so I would say after Whedon it gets it, it uh, X Men have just kind of been floundering. Yeah. And and then you find out, and obviously the average reader might not know this, but then you find out the corporate reasons for these things, and that being the Fox deal and Marvel deciding yep. that they're not going to push any properties they don't control in cinema. And that's how you get the, the X-Men and the Fantastic Four in comics going away or being minimized <laughs> and feeling like afterthoughts. <coughs> well, that's not an issue anymore, because now it's all back under under yep. Marvel's control. So now they can kind of put the X-Men back in a, in a place of prominence, hopefully with a, a plan. And um, one that pushes them forward in a good way. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hopefully. I want the X-Men to be good. I, the world's a better place when the X-Men are good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Okay. So probably two biggest things we're going to talk about news-wise this week are we got a couple trailers over the past couple weeks. We did. Starting with the newest Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. Boy, man. Okay. Number one, I got to tell you, I like how they did it. Yeah. I they... Li- they, they they, Spoilers. They gave, you, they gave you the week, and then then they gave you the trailer. And Tom Holland opens the trailer saying, "This trailer is going to spoil the crap out of Endgame. So you haven't yeah. seen it. Get out of here." Yep. Okay. Well played. And then, especially coming from him, yeah, who has spoiled so many many things <laughs> to the point where he's not even getting scripts anymore. That's funny. Well, we got a trailer. We do have a trailer, and it it, it as advertised. Uh, yeah, that's a post Endgame trailer. Yes. In yes. fact, it's so post Endgame that it makes me look back at the original trailer and and, and like astonishment, like wow, they really kept things under wraps. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a lot of people are freaking out over this trailer because all the things that were said in the trailer, um, multiverse, multiverse. Um, Mysterio is from uh, an Earth, not Earth, our Earth, not our Earth. Um. I'm calling shenanigans. I mean, it's Mysterio. I'm, I'm, it's Mysterio, dude. He's a liar. Everything is about illusion. Yep. He, Everything he, is about illusion. His first appearance, what did he do? He pretended to be a hero yep. to try and get people to like him, and he was actually the villain the whole time. Yes. Uh, so I think... Here's what I hope doesn't happen. I hope Marvel doesn't know that we know that and then keep him the good guy just to subvert our expectations. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We'll see. I like, I, I gotta tell you, I like everything I'm seeing though. It looks, it's exciting. There's a lot to, there's a lot going on here and I'm and it, and it, 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 it 
it asks a lot of questions because the post snap is going to be yeah. addressed. Mm-hmm. People are gone now. Tony's gone. Uh, the kids are back from a five year gap that they didn't even know that they were in. And, yep. and, and, and like, you know, it, there's, there's a lot here happening and uh, it is exciting. It is exciting. I'm I'm okay with most things in the trailer. Yes. Not not so much a fan of the whole Mysterio kind of taking Iron Man's place as the mentor of Spider-Man. Um I'm not crazy about them about him knowing Peter is Spider-Man. Yeah, it's um, the MCU, man. Everyone knows everybody. Yeah. And I guess I guess MJ is She's MJ, but she's not MJ. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's too he's, he's still he's too young to have met proper MJ yet. I, I have no problem with that actress being MJ. I'm just not crazy about how they depicted her. Like you need to fall in love with MJ from the moment you see her. <laughs> uh yeah, I feel yeah. She she was just kind of there and it was awkward and now it's like, oh no, now they're kind of a thing. Like oh, oh okay. And that's but but my again, the, the my, thing, my counterpoint is that that's not MJ. That's an MJ. It's the, not the MJ. The the thing that leads me to believe it might be the MJ is that she knows he's Spider-Man. Yeah, again, it doesn't matter. <laughs> eh, doesn't matter to you cuz Spider-Man's not your guy. He's I, li- your I like Spider-Man, and I like, like Spider-Man, and I like, and I, and I like the comics where you know the old Parker Luck, and, and he's you know his secret identity is very important. But in the MCU, it just doesn't make a lot of sense for him to have one. It, it makes sense for him to have one. Most other characters, no. Him, his secret identity still makes sense. Eh. Um, and it's still yeah. fairly secret. But other than that, it looks great. I even like I the mean, new costume more than I thought I would on screen I, I really am okay if the iron spider suit went away and it's going away so relax and not come back it's um, going away not crazy about the all black stealth suit not i like that one too <laughs> not you know the black and red one doesn't look horrible that's but the one still, i think looks pretty like, good why just no you gotta sell he's them not, toys man he's not iron man nobody's on special missions from shield so he's got new toys yeah Okay, um, so yeah, that was that. We have our tickets. Yes, we do. Want to see it? Yeah, um, very excited. Um, okay, other trailer came out. We didn't know this one was coming. It just kind of got dropped on us. Yes, uh, we got a trailer for the new Watchmen HBO series, like yeah. full trailer. Drew, go. <laughs> I mean, it has my attention, and I think that's that's what I have put out there on social media and whatnot. Um, I didn't know what this was going to be. And there's a million ways that it could have gone wrong. And there's a million ways it could have gone right. And it looks like they are going in a direction that is the right one. In my opinion, I've said it before. Um, Watchmen is a very dense book and it's very much a product of its form. That being a comic book. Adapting that into another medium, as I've said before, is nearly impossible because it changes the story itself. 
is part of it, the form. And once you adapt the story to another medium, it's no longer the same. It's not saying the same things about the medium that it's being ingested in. So keep in mind, you're probably going to be saying all this again. Yes. Well, this is all part. Okay, let's just let's just. I'm drawing the line here. This is part of our Watchmen discussion yeah. from here on yeah, out. This okay? episode, we're going to be discussing Watchmen, and it, basically, it's going to be Watchmen. Yes, the so. best. And worst thing to ever happen to comics. That's fair. That's a fair. That's a fair take. So they've uh, they've gone in a new direction, and they're saying that this is. Uh, I think Lindelof uh, said that the book is effectively the Old Testament, and it will be honored, and it will be referenced, and it will be the the ground the the groundwork for yep. everything. And then the show is basically the New Testament. Therefore, it is the se- It's the sequel. Yeah. And everything that happened happened. So this is. It appears to be the current day of the Watchmen universe, that being like 2019 yep. in Watchmen, and uh, what's going on? And from what I can tell in the trailer, um, intriguing things are going on. Yes. And I said before, when we talked about Doomsday Clock ever so briefly. Yeah. The most interesting thing about Doomsday Clock for me was the very first issue when they showed the aftermath of Watchmen. Yes. And then once they jumped to the DCU, my interest level took a huge hit, and I thought the story did too. Have they finished that yet? No, it's been delayed and delayed, so I think they're on issue 9 or 10 right now, and they still have issues to go, and they've also been delayed. So anyway, um, yeah, where where do we go from here? Well, you, I mean, the, the ending of the book does leave a great big door open for the future. That yeah. being Rorschach's journal being found by the publishers of the New Frontiersmen, and they're going to put that out there, and all of his findings and all of his ramblings, however unreliable he was, is now fodder for people to speculate over and to ingest and consume and um, enter conspiracy theories yeah. abound. Uh, on top of that, Dr. Manhattan leaves Earth. He says he's going to go create life of his own somewhere. But there were some clues in that trailer that uh, lead me to believe that he will be back in some form. I mean, he almost has to be. His absence is almost conspicuous. But there was something. There was a very one key thing in the trailer for the show that was a big clue, if you ask me. The carnival? Uh, no, not the carnival. Um, did you? Okay. The shot in the trailer where they show the Washington Monument, right? Okay. You thinking about you thinking about it? It's got the yeah. ring. It has the ring around the top of it, like a mm-hmm. like a like a promenade almost. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Okay. I don't have a pen nearby to show you what I'm. What I'm gonna. Okay. I I don't have a pen. From the ground up, looking up at that, it's, you see a great big monument going into the sky with a ring around it. Cool visual, right? Yeah. What would that look like, looking down from space? The symbol of Doctor Manhattan's forehead. Exactly. That would be hydrogen. Uh, yes. Interesting. Yeah. That's a little detail. Yeah. I don't know if anyone got, but I got. I thought about it for a minute. Um, Rorschach has a cult. Yeah, the Now that is interesting. Yeah. That's real interesting. And it's interesting because clearly those are some bad dudes. I'm just going to put that out there. Those are th- That is a dangerous group of individuals. And Rorschach is not, folks, the hero of Watchmen. He might be no. the he might be the air quotes protagonist in a way, but that character is super flawed, which we're going to talk about. And his line of thinking and his 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 modus operandi is 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 very frightening. 
Yes. And now he's got, his, his again, his journal got out, and it looks like these guys have been feeding on whatever he's been spitting out in that journal for X amount of years, and he's got himself a little occult a, a following. Yep. That's that's dangerous. I, I'm I'm calling it now. That is risky business. Kind of uh, taking a page a little bit. I think someone maybe mentioned this to you in your Facebook feed. Taking a page from The Dark Knight Returns. The Sons of Batman. Yeah, yeah. That and I that didn't dawn on me. So I want to give uh, props to um to Matt for pointing that out. Uh, the difference is Batman was around when the Sons yeah. of Batman were formed, and he could steer them to his way yeah. and keep them in line. Rorschach's gone. So Would you want him steering them, though? <laughs> Rorschach? Yeah. No, because, I mean, number one, he wouldn't play well with others. Number two, yeah, yeah. again, dangerous individual. Uh, very, uh, very dangerous individual. Yeah. And now he's got uh, himself a, he's now he's a martyr for a group of people. And there's just some real world symbolism there that I don't think can be denied. Like, yeah. that, that's... It's, Insert insert your cult here. Insert your uh, yeah. your clan here, if you will, or your alt rights or whatever. That's that again, interesting angle and a very intriguing detail that got my attention. So Don Johnson seems to be heading up the police force. Some which kind are of all wearing masks. I think that may be a very interesting okay. commentary on where we're currently at socially with uh, with a lot of you know police being thrown into the spotlight for any number of things. Is this a world where to be a police officer means you have to hide your face? Not only that, not only do the average uniformed cops all wear masks. Did you notice that the vigilantes in this show also are listed as cops? No. Yeah, they are. So on the on the, on the cast sheet, when they explain all the characters, that yeah. being, um, I, I can't remember their names off the top. The only one, the only one I know for sure is looking glass because it's got the uh, the mirrored mask, yeah, Cobra Commander style. Like I thought it was pretty sweet. <laughs> um, and Panda, Panda's listed, and and it's a dude in a big panda suit who you can see in the shot when they go into the police room and all the cops are like sitting in that big conference room. You see, Panda, he's a big dude in a panda outfit sitting there with all the cops. So somehow the police have embraced masked vigilantes or masked adventurers. I'm air. I don't know what you yeah. want to call them. But they've got masks, like like hero esque mask characters in the police force. What is going on? Maybe they're kind of taking it from like you know, taking a page from Marvel and be like, okay, what if superhero reg- registration was a thing and a, the thing that was not rebelled against but enforced? Yeah, I. So it's again intriguing. We got a, a quick uh, shot of Ozymandias. Yes, who's being played by Jeremy Irons, which I cannot wait for. That is the most stellar casting. Yeah. That's that is like is it on the nose? Yeah. Is it great? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um there's just it's again, it's very intriguing. And I'm and I know, I know cuz we're going to talk about all this in a second here that the 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 comic purists are out in full force and you, you it's without the permission of Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons this can't be you can't do a Watchmen sequel and got, dude oh, look up. man I feel you but I've let that go I've I have I'm long past that um if I, you're going to do something with Watchmen again this honestly this take on it in HBO is is the better take Doomsday Clock to me is the is the is the stunt it's, yeah. it's it's what you don't do you don't put it into the dc universe and just yeah. make them like everyone else just make them another commodified hero that's the wrong thing to do 
telling a sequel story with its own themes and its own ideas and its own commentary on whatever world we're living in today, that's the way you do it. And I'm very, very, very interested to see more of it. And um, by the way, I'm also very, very, very interested to hear more of the score <laughs> by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. And we have not heard that yet, but you better yep. believe I hope they get weird on it. <laughs> so so let's shift now because I think it's safe to say we're both excited about the show. Let's shift our discussion to where it all began, which is the book. Yes. Now, I, I am it's, – it's strange because – I am a fan of Watchmen. I'm a fan of, of a lot of stuff Al Moore has written. I am not a fan of Al Moore personally. He's kind as, of a grumpy person. He's never I've this is what I say about Al Moore. Uh never has more talent been granted to such an incredible douchebag. <laughs> I I would maybe, I wouldn't maybe call Sidney it. Crosby, you can you can <laughs> say. Um I yeah. no 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 no. He he craps on the people and then goes and cashes their check. Um, yeah, no, guys, I've no. But that being said, um, this is a seminal work. It. I am a fan of this book. You sir are a student. Yeah, of this I've, book. I've I've read it once a year for the last more than i don't know 15 years or so like yeah. it, it's it's it, great it and, came out it was originally published in 1986 yep around the same time as dark knight uh, returns. the dark knight returns and these were big two, year for dc <laughs> yeah these were two seismic events that changed the landscape of comics yes not just dc comics no but Marvel all of comics, com- all of comics. Um, because for the first time the medium started to a represent the world that it was currently living in in a, in a much more real way than it had before. Yeah. And B took a especially with Watchmen took a long, hard, merciless look at itself. Yeah. And began, this was kind of the birth of the deconstruction of the superhero. Yes. And, and like we said, it's uh, one of the, the best things happen in comics it's also the worst thing to happen in comics but let's focus on the positive for right now um this book was it was a mini series well probably yeah, maxi series yes 12, 12, issues, issues. 12 issues um i think anything over six is considered maxi, maxi. yeah you know semantics um, it was written by el moore with art by dave gibbons yep and it is essentially i don't want to say caricature but kind of a funhouse mirror of certain established characters in the not necessarily DC universe proper, but characters that have been acquired by DC over the years. They originally part of a company called Charlton. Charlton. Yeah. So the Charlton characters were acquired by DC. They didn't know what to do with them. Um, Alan Moore wrote a pitch about, you know, he wrote he wrote the Watchmen pitch with them in mind. Yeah. Nightshade, um, the Peacemaker, uh, Captain Adam, uh, Blue, Be- Blue Beetle, the Question, etc. Um, and that was Watchmen with those characters. Yeah. Pitched to DC and they said, "Hey, we really like this. This is great. But if you do this, you're effectively breaking all the new toys that we just bought. We can't let we can't do that." Yeah. <laughs> so 
he went back and he just made them into basically pastiches uh, or, you know, they're, they're nods to those characters. But in a bigger way, they're also in, in the way that by doing so, he also makes them by making them original characters. They're not only direct riffs on the Charlton characters, but they're more specific, They're also more vague and they're more uh, commentaries on the hero archetypes in comics as a whole. Yeah. So is Night Owl very much the Blue Beetle? Yes. But is he also kind of Batman? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is he also the street level vigilante that anybody could be? Yeah. Um, is Doctor Manhattan Captain Adam? Yes. But is he also this universe's Superman? Yes. He's bigger than any one character. Yeah. So the archetypes are all present. Um, and then he places it into the real world, but not just like now with these characters, he goes back and says, okay, at what point did superhero comics become a thing? 1930s, right? Yep. That's kind of when our yarn picks up. That's when the first masked vigilantes started doing stuff in the world. And unlike our real world in the Watchmen world, um, it got very popular in the real world. And there was a superhero moment in the 40s where people put on masks and costumes and did fight and crime, and they were very, very popular in the real world of this universe. Yeah. And then they fell out of favor after World War II. That is until um, Dr. Manhattan became a known quantity, and he is the only superpowered character in the Watchmen universe. And once he became publicly known, history takes a huge turn. Watchmen history takes a huge turn. Yeah. Um. Now you have an actual superpowered being in the world, the real world. Yeah. As a result of that, America sends Dr. Manhattan to Vietnam, wins handily and easily. Vietnam becomes the 51st American state, and the world, the Cold War tensions that were very uh, prominent in the 80s when this book was written, the the, the Soviet Union, the United States, you know, nuclear tensions, very prominent. Um, They ramp up tenfold in this universe because Dr. Manhattan is basically seen as a walking nuclear deterrent. So the Soviet Union in turn ratchets up their own nuclear arsenal and tensions are more tense than ever in the Watchmen world to yeah. the point where the, the doomsday clock, which is the motif of the book, um, is dangerously close to midnight throughout the duration of the book, which means the end of the world is probably very, very, very near. Um, so that's it, it 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 was both in a fantasy world but also in a in our real world in a very real way in that it references events um from our world the JFK assassination um World War 2 Vietnam yeah. like i said uh Richard Nixon is still president in 1986 in this universe because he is they've changed the because of the victory in Vietnam his popularity was so high that they abolished term limits and he just got to be president for life basically um. Yeah. It, so Watchmen is both uh, its own thing, but it's also grounded in reality or a reality, and it's written in such a way. It, part of the deconstruction. Um, Alan Moore has no real affinity for superheroic hijinks, which that's not exactly fair to say because he did write Supreme as a, as a Silver Age Superman um, love letter, basically. Uh, for a, for a good long time. However, I think overall he finds superheroes to be dangerous and 
or he likes to point out they would be dangerous and scary in a real world context. And Watchmen, the book, lays that out, I think, pretty well. In in a real world context, yeah, these guys are probably uh, damaged individuals and and dangerous for the most part. Yeah. So, I mean, just kind of, I brought my copy with me. Yes. I've read it a couple times. Not, I've been meaning to give it another read. You should. Um, it's great. No, obviously. <laughs> I, I really like what Moore does with Dr. Manhattan throughout the book. Obviously, when we first meet the character, he is as what he's kind of grown into. But as we see throughout flashbacks in the book, we see his creation and as he tries to be a superhero, we see his drift away from humanity represented by the fact that with each flashback, he's wearing less and less clothing from his like, yeah. When he first reconstitutes himself from nothing, uh, through a nuclear accident, he, you know, he wears clothes and he, yeah, he's like pretending to be a man kind of. Yeah. But as he realizes and as he's kind of he, – he increasingly realizes what he is and what he is not. And, yeah, he, he has less and less clothing because it just – to him it doesn't matter. Like he's – humans don't matter. And it, the, 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 the loss of clothing is symbolization – it's a symbol for his like losing of his humanity. Yeah. He sees himself as beyond any sort of earthly concern. Um and there's if you read the supplemental stuff uh, after each issue, each issue had a couple pages of cool supplemental material that really fill in the the, the blanks of the world, be it newspaper articles, um, dossiers, um, excerpts from interviews of characters in this universe, etc. And one of the the there's a, a newscast from when uh, Doctor Manhattan was first unveiled to the American public. Yeah, and the newscaster says uh, one of the guys who discovered him or something like that or saw what dr manhattan could do like when they show him like disassembling a tank with his hand basically and the newscaster quotes this guy as saying superman exists and he's american you know like ha right and then in one of the follow-up supplemental materials in one of the in one of those issues they have like an interview with that guy and he says what i actually said was god exists and he's american and it's like whoa and that's kind of that is Doctor Manhattan effectively. Like in he he's been atomized and put himself back together from nothing. He lives at all time at once. He he sees events unfold and he knows they're going to, but he's powerless to stop it in a way. Yeah. Or so he thinks anyway. Um, he's all powerful. He's God effectively in this universe, or at least a, some semblance thereof. And. Yeah, the increasing loss of his humanity is a major theme in the book to the point where at a certain point he leaves the earth and the world freaks out because this superpowered dude is gone. And by the way, that is America's great big walking nuclear deterrent. And what do you think happens when he's gone? Oh, yeah. The Soviets get real antsy to uh, yes. intervene. If not for a plan put together by one Ozymandias. Yeah. Um, spoilers for if you haven't read Watchmen. Ozymandias uh, was a hero. Is is I mean, heroes and villains are very nebulous in this book, and I think yeah. that's important to point out. And again, that's part of the deconstruction. These individuals are not broad strokes, good guys, bad guys. Um, Ozymandias is the antagonist of the story. His master plan is 
uh, terrifying in that it results in the death of millions and millions of people. But his plan, while resulting in the death of millions and millions of people, by his own rationale, will prevent the deaths of billions and billions of people as the world was dangerously close to ending through nuclear warfare. His plan was to intervene in that that escalating conflict with a rather interesting solution that, at least for a time, works. So, to him, he's the hero of his own story. Did, did, Did millions of people die? Yes. Did he prevent the end of the world? Arguably, yes. Yeah. Where do you land on that? Well, this is where you have to kind of read the story and figure it out for yourself because some characters make peace with it and just deal with it. Other characters can't make peace with it and refuse to bend to it. And it's up to you how righteous you want to see that as being. And they're, they don't make it out of the story alive. No. Um, it, it, again, this, it's, a, it's a book that makes you think. Um, good and bad are not super obvious. Yeah, it's it really. I mean, it was always kind of there, uh, more in Marvel than in DC, but it really introduces the grayscale. Yes, into comics and just kind of the the deconstructing and the the starting to look at these characters in a you know what if they were in this world mm-hmm. sense how would they behave how would they um go about operating and that's something that dc kind of did with um not maybe how would they be if they were in this world but when they did their initial crisis on infinite earths to kind of just like streamline everything because there was so much stuff out there and just kind of get everything and do a restart and you see like you know it's probably easiest to see in the Batman Superman relationship. Whereas pre crisis, that relationship is very, you know, buddy, buddy. Right. You've seen like the classic cover of, you know, they're playing baseball together and whatnot. <laughs> I love those and covers. yeah. And then you have the, the post crisis where none of these characters have met yet. And the first introduction between, you know, Batman and Superman, you know, doesn't, go very well because these are characters that are too polar they believe in the same thing but their methods of achieving it are completely opposite yes and that is kind of a staple of their relationship going forward uh large in part to you know a lot of what was uh laid down in watchmen uh that dynamic though the dynamic of these the relationships more so than that these characters had with each other than what they had with the world that they live in was affected by this story. You know, how heroes interacted with each other is what saw a major change from this. Like there was still, I think post Watchmen, there's still the belief in doing the greater good. But now that that grayscale is there, you start to question, well, what is the greater good? Yeah. Um, Watchmen is a brilliant, tight, uh, and, and, and masterful work on its own. And where it lands in its definitive statement on superheroes is, is not favorable. And, you know, there's no getting around that. 
but that doesn't mean you can't still enjoy superhero comics, yeah. and that doesn't mean superhero comics aren't, can't still be fun. Uh, and they are, and they're still great. But the problem, here's where, here's where the bad part of Watchmen comes in. As great as Watchmen is, and as brilliant as it is, it was very popular. And unfortunately, a lot of people either didn't get it, or the wrong lessons were learned from it, not just by the people who read it, but by also by creators who wanted to try to imitate it without understanding it. Yeah. And then we kind of entered the grim and gritty era, or the dawn of the gritty, gritty era um, started in comics, where you had increasing violence, increasing uh, adult themes, and um, t- to the point of ludicrousness, basically, um, over the next five to ten years. And that's a real shame because in a lot of ways, um, that also happened to coincide with the big comics boom in the early 90s. Yeah. And that means a whole generation of comics readers were kind of brought up on this grim and gritty without substance storytelling. And that means that that's never really gone away. Um, It's still haunting us in a way. Yeah. And I want it to go away. DC. Yes. Um, DC, DC many times doesn't seem to fully understand their characters. They've gotten a lot better with Rebirth, um, but there's still a lot there that needs addressing. Um, and I'm not quite sure how they can go about doing it other than incrementally in small doses to kind of get it back to, I'm not saying it has to go back to what it was before Watchmen, but like kind of angle the ship in the other direction. Well, it's tricky because the genie's out of the bottle, so to speak. And what do you do? You know, not, and to use a, well, let's to use the, the parlance of, of Watchmen itself. Watchmen is like the nuclear bomb. Once the bomb was dropped, there was no going back to a time before the bomb, right? The bomb is out there. We now have to live with the aftermath. Watchmen was a nuclear bomb in a way for the comics industry. Likewise, the dark Knight returns. Um, it was kind of like fat man and little boy right there to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you either basically there they are. You there's, there really is no going back now. We have to kind of deal with this now. How do you deal with it? I, I, I don't have the answer for you. I think uh, some companies do it better than others. Some storytellers do it better than others. Um, I, I agree with you, though, that I feel like DC has been in a constant state of uh, overcompensation for their early Silver Age hijinks. Uh, and then once Marvel ate their lunch in the 60s and 70s, they've felt this kind of need to push the boundaries in this extreme graphic way to try and prove themselves like, no, we're not, we're not for kids. And it's like, you don't have to try so hard. Like yeah. people like your characters for who they are. It's okay to just embrace them for who they are. You don't have to keep trying to pull this edgy stuff. You know, we don't, it, for the sake of it, we don't need that. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, I don't want to like it, to say that it's Watchmen's fault implies some kind of like nefarious, agenda on Watchmen's part and I don't know that that's really the case it's no. just a it's just a really well done thing yeah that it's it's it can't help but be popular because of how tightly it's, it's how tight it is it's the thing that is 
if it stunk, tra- it wouldn't have, it wouldn't yeah. have, you know, it transcended the medium because like, even, even if you read comics, which I didn't, you never read Watchmen, which I hadn't up until before the movie came out. Like you knew what the, you know, smiley face with the drop of blood on it was mm-hmm. like, it had that resonance in it. Um, I want to talk about the. Uh, I mean, we've talked about the the story of. I want to talk about the look of it. Oh God, the, the aesthetic. Gibbons, um, g- g- dude. Some people like slag this book for for the artwork. I can't fathom that to be honest with you. I think it, this is a master class in storytelling. Yeah, the the nine panel page Ugh. is probably the thing that comes up the most when you're talking about the artwork of this. And it's not every page. The thing is, it is the. It's like. It's the standard format, and it only breaks it for emphasis when yeah. it has to. Yeah. Or in the case of uh, Fearful Symmetry, um, the chapter about Rorschach, um, the entire issue, if you fold it down the middle, uh, this is hard to explain. If you took, if you took that issue of, of Watchmen, Fearful Symmetry, opened it to the center, every page is... Um, identical forwards and backwards until you get to the front and the back respectively. The layouts are identical. But Drew, I can't do that. I'll take the book out of in condition. <laughs> you'll see it. You'll see, you can, what, yeah. you, you can tell. Um, it's, and it's, it's, it's a master stroke. Yeah. The, um, the, the coloring, the, the pencil work is just the coloring. That's a, that's actually, it's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, the coloring at the time was intentionally done in a way that was very, uh, odd and kind of ugly and it was done that way to emphasize the ugliness in a way of the story in the world that it was in and to also set it apart from anything else on the shelf yeah no definitely if you look at especially uh, the comics of the time are still in those primary color stages you know stuff that really pops and this this doesn't pop in that way no they used a lot of greens a lot of pinks a lot of weird hues that were just yeah. not not common at the time. It's it's very. I mean, Gibbons didn't do the Killing Joke, too. No, that was Brian Boland. Oh yeah, Brian Boland. You could see in the original coloring for the Killing Joke. I prefer the original coloring, to be honest with you. I I actually prefer the recolor. Mm. Um, but you can kind of see shades of this in the original coloring of the Killing Joke. Sure. Um. But yeah, it just, here's a tricky thing though. It's hard to recommend this book. I mean, it's not hard to recommend this book, but it's hard to recommend this book to people who don't read comics because a lot of what the book is trying to say. It's a commentary on comics. Is lost on you if you don't have that history with comics. Yeah. Because like I said, the characters are kind of commentaries on those, on yeah. those archetypes. Um, it, but the thing is, though, it, it is a satisfying narrative as well, yeah. which is why people want to adapt it so badly because it's a, you know it's a cool story, and that's fair, that's fine. Uh, but again, I think you're losing the nuance and you're losing the details and you're losing the commentary if you take it out of the comic book medium, um, which happened. It did. Um, Talk about the movie. Yeah, let's let's move along. the The film that people said would never get made. 
which we're just not living in that world anymore. Even back then, we weren't living in that world. So many things that... Well, what happened was... So many things were said that were said to be unfilmable. Um, Lord of the Rings, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, um, got filmed. It got made into movies. Uh, so well, in, in 2009, we got a Watchmen movie. Watchmen was born, the movie... Um, it, it was in development basically since it was written in 86 Yeah. Um, through various incarnations, none of which were any good. <laughs> okay. Let's be very clear about that. Um, eventually, Terry Gilliam, of all people, had a pitch that would be a post 9-11 version of Watchmen. Okay. And in hindsight, like, I, I want to see that version. I want to see what Terry Gilliam was going to try and do with Watchmen um, in that, in that, from that vantage point. Because again... An interesting way to do it is to adapt it into a modern sensibility and have it have it be relevant to now, yeah. in its own form, in its own medium. Anyway, um, that didn't happen. But three hundred made a gazillion dollars at the box office, and Zack Snyder, the director, became Warner Brothers' new little golden boy. Yeah. And they, and so he kind of got to call his shot for his next movie, and they were going to do Watchmen, which is, I mean, if you look back at the time before. We know, knew that what we know now of how Zach likes to operate <laughs> is probably a good call at the time. Because if you look yes. at 300, he knocks out of the park with 300. Some, pe- some people don't like 300 because, like, they think it, you know, perpetrates toxic masculinity and whatnot. I like 300 because it is a good adaption of the source material. It is. I, I don't want to get too deep into 300, but um, visually, as a visual storyteller, uh, Zack Snyder, I'm not going to shortchange him. He is an excellent visual storyteller. Yeah. And I will say that the Watchmen film... <laughs> when he doesn't have to use color, he's a very good storyteller. No, he's, no, he's, he's great. Yeah. Uh, vi- visually, he's, he's, he's very good. Um, and visually, Watchmen... And in a large part because of Zack Snyder, because of the the, the, the clout he had because of 300, he got to basically take make it off it, the page. Take it off the page to, for the most part, to, to a large degree. Um, so it is visually slavish to the comic. And the fanboy in me sees it and goes, wow, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. However, however... Poor you, Zach. There's you, always a however. You can be slavish to the material and still completely miss the point. Yeah. And he completely missed the point. <coughs> Watchmen is a warning. Watchmen is a deconstruction and a this it would really be a bad thing kind of commentary on superheroes in the real world. Yeah. Snyder treats them with all of the reverence you would expect. They they break they beat people up, they break their bones and and they fight scenes were added to the movie to further emphasize how cool and tough and and you know awesome these characters are and it's like Snyder celebrates that violence and he celebrates that world and these characters and their brutality and it's like dude you're missing the point here (laughs) yeah you you missed the message entirely that's not what this is about like Adding in that case in point, there's a fight scene early on where Rorschach goes. The scene where Rorschach goes into uh, Edward Blake's apartment, yeah. to the comedian's apartment. The very mm-hmm. beginning, the very beginning of the book, 
In the comic, he goes in, he discovers the com- that this guy who was just thrown out of a window is the comedian, a guy he knew peripherally. Yeah. That's it. He leaves. In the movie, he goes into the apartment, he discovers that the guy was the comedian. Then the cops show up, and we have a fight scene where Rorschach fights, fights police, beats them up, and then leaves. Because we have to establish, you know, what a, what a tough vigilante outlaw Rorschach is. Yeah. It's, again, superfluous and not necessary. Then we have the prison sequence where, in the comic, uh, Night Owl and Silk Spectre go to prison to rescue Rorschach because the world is in, about to, he's, it, the world's in chaos. It's about to go down in a big, bad way. And they know that Rorschach was onto something with his theory as to why. They go to rescue him from prison because he's going to be killed in prison, by the way. In the comic, they go there. Events in the prison have transpired. Rorschach has taken decent care of himself by him on his own. They find him. They leave. No act. No no fights. No nothing. What do you think happens in the movie? Lots of fights. Dan and Laurie get there to rescue Rorschach, and there's lots of big fight scenes, and we got to have fight scenes. Well, there's still the exchange between Rorschach when he's in the cell and the the small crime boss. Um, That's still um, in the book. Yes. It's all, it's all there. It's yeah. fine. Again, it's all, I mean, again, it's, it's slavish in, in, in a lot of ways, but it misses the point of it. And I, 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 did you, did you kind of feel this way when you first saw it? Or was this something that you kind of had to process? No, I had issues. You can feel it watching it, that he's, he's, he is treating this like he's treating it as like a celebration. And that's just not what it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's it, like much like the comic creators and and the and the fans that read the comic took the wrong lessons from it. So did Zack Snyder, and he made it into a movie that learned all the wrong lessons from it and put it on screen. And it and it didn't have the same weight at all of the comic. It didn't say the same things. It didn't have anything to say really, other than like here's these. Look at these messed up heroes. These are your real heroes. Because this is Zack Snyder's worldview. Yeah. That in the real world, Batman would kill people and like you know get raped in prison and stuff. I'm, I'm basically quoting him, by the way. I'm not just pulling that out. He, yeah. he said these things. Uh, this, 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 this guy, I, I don't trust this guy to make my Watchmen movie. And I don't trust him to be put in charge of Batman or Superman either. But Warner Brothers felt, felt that he was the guy for the job. Yeah. Um, but again, visually, my God, yes, it's, it's great. It's great. casting is fantastic as well. The casting is great. Um, Jack Earl Haley is Rorschach. Fantastic. Uh, he, he's dead. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is a comedian. Also great. Um, I will throw. I got. I got to throw some shade though. Uh, the uh, Lauren Ackerman, I believe her name is. Malin Ackerman. Ma- Malin Ackerman. Yeah. Okay. Um, Silk Spectre. Not a fan. Um, they could have. She was a little wooden. Um, so take or leave. And the guy who played Adrian Veidt, mm, he's no Jeremy Irons. Let's put it that way. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't quite get the job done for me. He was a little too slight. And then at the, at the end, he, at the Watchmen, it takes place over several time periods. Okay. Yeah. And in the 1986 that it takes place in the character, our primary characters are all in their mid forties, basically. And when I saw the guy they had playing Adrian Veidt in that movie in 1986, he looks 25 years old. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's, and, but he's supposed to be 46 years old. Yeah. Like, okay, no. No, 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 no. Well, he's the smartest man alive. He'd get 
Curry did some good skin curing. There you go. <laughs> um, so you know, the movie. I I can. I mean, it. I I I can't even say necessarily that it was well intentioned because I don't think it was well intentioned. To be yeah. honest with you, again, it was it was visually slavish to the comic, but it just it presents the material in the wrong way. Um. It it, it yeah. Anyway, um, what. Are, Drew, what'd you think about the Saturday morning cartoon? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like in the Simpsons, the Watchmen babies. No, did you see like you've you've had to have seen that YouTube video that's out the intro of oh, like, and it's, Watchmen it's, it, it's, it's done like the it, cartoon. It's done like uh, the Super Friends kind of yeah, 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 like yeah, like yeah Ninja yeah, Turtles. Yeah. You know, Rorschach loves pizza. <laughs> and, like, he's he, wacky and well, he is. He's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, I no, I I love Watchmen. Um, it's it's fantastic and uh it's it's super tight um i i could do without any of the before watchmen stuff that they did um it i heard see. the the minimum stuff by darwin cook was solid it's darwin cook i mean it's I gonna mean, yeah but it's gonna but be. ultimately none of it none of it really informs the narrative None of it helps the narrative do you um, think it was meant to inform the narrative or just be another narrative on its own it was meant to be a cash grab effective well, i mean let's be clear um that's the beauty of watchmen you don't need anything else outside of it 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 really is it's tight as it is um there is actually some approved as in written by ellen moore uh, supplemental materials um there were these uh role-playing games back in the 80s yeah um mm-hmm. And there, I, there are two two source books for those role playing games, and Alan Moore did write them, and I do have both of them. So there is some stuff out there that is, uh, you know, canon air quotes. Uh, but again, it's not necessarily needed. It just kind of clarifies certain things that might have been a little ambiguous in the book. But it's all about minor characters that aren't super important to the yeah. main thing anyway. I I think um, one thing, as far as the film goes, one thing most people seem to be able to get behind is the intro. Intro is fantastic. I'll I'll credit Zack Snyder for that. I'll I'll give yeah. him all the marks for that. Setting up the world with uh, the the um, the Bob Dylan song and uh, taking the historic moments and placing these these heroes in it um, was an excellent shorthand to establishing that it, this is the world you know, but just not quite the way you know yeah. it. That was actually a brilliant stroke, and I will and I will give Zack Snyder full marks for that. And there have there have been, I believe, three edits of the film. There's the theatrical release. Yes. There's the extended director's cut. Yes. And then there's the extended director's cut with the animated uh, black black curse freighter. of the black freighter. Curse um, of the black freighter. Just to clarify what that is for those who don't know, uh, the curse of the black freighter is a comic within the comic. Um, so in the Watchmen world, because superheroes were a real thing in the 40s, they had a brief period of popularity, and then they became an afterthought and a joke until the 1970s. Um, co- superhero comics never took off in America in the in the Watchmen universe. Yeah. Pirate comics were the thing. So there's a pirate comic within the comic that um, is a running it's basically a running commentary on the events and the state of in the in the in the pirate comic it's the state of one man's sanity and one man's humanity as he tries to get back home um after a horrific incident at sea basically yeah um but in the meta 
it's a commentary on the events of um, the, the comic itself and uh, mankind and what we have become, sort more or less. Um, so it's it's cool. They did an animated version of it on its own, um, and it was released on its own as a bonus feature for. Yeah, it was like the, a motion comic. Yeah, not like pure animated, but and it's pretty weird because, like, again, it it comment if you read it in within the context of the comic, it you know you get a couple pages of Watchmen, then then they intersperse panels of the Black Freighter, and then to see the Black Freighter all on its own is kind of weird. Yeah, I that's the one thing I've always kind of bumped up against with the comic is. I'm not a fan of the Black Freighter stuff, only because it. When I was first reading the comic, I didn't, I didn't read the comic up until about a couple months before the movie came out, mm-hmm. because I wanted my first experience with it to be the comic, and not the movie. Um. And on my first read through, I remember not, like I saw what it was trying to do, but. Every time the story started to gain momentum, that would be inserted there, just brought it to a screeching halt. Um, I think your 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 take on that is probably a common one, but I think it serves a purpose. It's kind of like the Greek chorus to the book. Yeah, I don't I don't think it should be removed mm-hmm. because it's obviously part of the whole. Um, but on subsequent read throughs, I. Skim Don't or skip, skip altogether. I, I would advise against that. I think uh, your instinct is to do that to try and get back to the narrative, but I think you're losing out on what it it, it informs the narrative. Okay, my next read through, I will I will give it its due attention. Cool, cool, cool. Um, what else can we really say about Watchmen? I mean. It casts it's, a long shadow, man. It casts a long sh- shadow. Its legacy is, is very, very mixed bag. Um, I mean, there's there's good in there, but there's also, it's for all the good it's done, it's also done a lot of damage. Again, I, I don't know that that's its fault necessarily. Um, people people took the wrong lessons from it. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's it's the fault of the, the material at all. Um, but yeah. It's definitely, folks, if you haven't read it and you've been listening to us for a while, I would definitely recommend going to read it. Yeah. Get it pretty much anywhere. Of course. Books are sold. Um, and just, uh, you just need to get a trade. You don't need to track down single issues. Single issues are not outrageously hard to find, though, if you they're do not. want to track them down. They're not super expensive either. No, no, I've got them. Um, like, they're not super expensive, uh, but a trade is going to be 20 bucks in your yeah. and not think, for nothing it's easier to read and trade yeah and i think you can probably get a full set of the single issues for around like decent condition for around five to six hundred dollars mm. for 12 issues given how old it was and the what it is that's pretty actually surprisingly a pretty decent price um but yeah that's our conversation about the watchman and uh, it's just watchman uh, Watchmen. Thank you. <laughs> Pronouns, pal. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there, folks. Um, again, like we discussed earlier, next week's kind of not our our series finale, but it's gonna be the last episode for for a bit, and then we're going on a break. We'll be back periodically to talk about some stuff, um, but. 
you know, next next week. Let me put it this way: next week we're closing down the courthouse. It'll be it'll be <laughs> close for renovation. It will be the last last courthouse episode. Um, if you would like to send us any questions or comments to be read right on that show next week, you can do so at the following locations. You can find us on Twitter at Devils Do Pod. You can go to facebook.com slash devils do pod. You can email us at the devils do pod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the devils do podcast.com. Drew, that being said, any closing statements? Uh, go read Watchmen. Yes. And, uh, we'll see you next week. All right. That being said, folks, courts adjourned.